the deadline to sign up for our fantasy basketball leagues is Friday, October 12th at 5 p.m. That's this Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern. To sign up for fantasy basketball, go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. All right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. The full episode with John and Chuck will be out this Thursday, October 11th, Season 5 of Fast Break Breakfast. That's right, Season 5, Episode 1, Eastern Conference, over-unders, tell everyone in your life. I'm not joking. Okay, just tell people who like the NBA and podcast. I know we have podcast listeners who don't even like the NBA. Shout out Michael Leeds. But if you know anyone in your life who likes the NBA, please do us this favor. Tell them about our show. Say, hey, there's this show, Fast Break Breakfast, you want to listen. Might as well start a new season of Fast Break Breakfast. Season five, that's right. It's our fourth birthday Technically, our fourth birthday is not for many, many more weeks, but season five, Fast Break Breakfast, it is wild. We have made it. When we started the show, there was only one child between us. Now there are four children that call us dad. So it's wild. Uh, We've loved doing it most of the time. You guys make it worth it. Today's episode is with Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report and NBAMath.com talking just about some of the recent news of the last day, mainly about the Spurs and their troubles with DeJounte Murray getting injured and about the Suns hilariously firing their GM after he did many, many, many moves this offseason. They fired him once he was done. Once the cake was baked, they told the chef to get lost. So we talk about that because preseason basketball, it is getting hot and heavy. I use the term overwhelming. I'm having trouble getting back into the basketball. I want to watch all the basketball. I'm also still in summer mode where I'm watching Netflix and I'm watching some weird movies. Kill Me Again, starring Val Kilmer and Michael Madsen, directed by John Dahl. Not very good. I watched it all, though. However... So I'm transitioning back from using my few free hours in the evening to watching Netflix and Amazon Prime movies to now it's like, oh, I want to watch. I want to watch this Wizards game or I want to see the Hornets play because Miles Bridges is, is incredible. I got to say the, the NBA China games, however, are the best because I'm feeding my baby in the morning and I look at Twitter and I realize that there's a basketball game on. So I get to watch Robert Covington steal the ball over and over and over uh, while feeding my child breakfast. But anyway, the NBA season is coming. We are trying to get everything in order for that. And some of that stuff we have to get in order is our fantasy leagues at patreon.com slash fast break breakfast. If you've already signed up at the $5 tier, or if you were grandfathered in at the $4 tier, and you filled out that Google form about fantasy basketball, you are included, and there will be drafts very soon, obviously before opening night. If you want to play fantasy basketball with us and you have not signed up yet, though, you need to do it. 
Deadline is Friday, October 12th at 5 p.m. Eastern. You got to go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Sign up at the $5 mark and then go to the post that says fantasy basketball. Fill out that form and then you will be included in either a head-to-head league, just a regular eight-category head-to-head fantasy league, or, and I guess also, you don't have to pick. You can do both. You can join the Negative Fantasy League, the International Stackhouse of Pancakes Negative Fantasy League for Pride and Glory, which was the best thing ever last season, and I highly recommend it. I think we can have as many people as sign up. Last year, we had like 28 people in that league. Uh, There's already well over 30 signed up. I think we're close to 40, actually. So I'm telling you, the league will be fun. Uh, Will every NBA player be owned? Perhaps. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, make sure you go to patreon.com slash fast break breakfast. Also at Patreon, obviously you can join our private Slack chat for just $3 a month. If you join at that fantasy level at $5, you get the bonus episodes of ground Chuck. If you're not getting enough John and Chuck in your life, ground Chuck episodes are exclusive bonus episodes we got that rss feed that will be custom for you that you can put in any podcast player you want so if you want to listen to ground check episodes at half speed you have that opportunity so patreon.com sign up for fantasy basketball get the bonus episodes get the slack chat come hang out with us patreon.com slash fast break breakfast My guest today is a writer for Bleacher Report, the deputy editor of NBAMath.com, and the co-host of the Hardwood Knox NBA podcast, Dan Favalli. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well, Keith. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Welcome to the show. I've been listening to your podcast uh, started this summer. I'd heard of it for a while. I'd seen you guys on Twitter with your NBA math things, your various rankings, I was retweeting all your pro-Jokic propaganda and the like. But I, I did start listening to the podcast this summer. It's very good. I highly recommend it for uh, people who want something that's it's different than Fast Break Breakfast, but it is not dry or anything like some other analytics podcast. It's very entertaining. You and Andy have great chemistry. So uh, strong recommendation from me. And uh, again, thanks, thanks for coming on. We always start uh, talking off about breakfast, though. Uh, are you a breakfast man, Dan? I am a big breakfast guy when I have the time to do breakfast right. Okay. Have you have you had the time? Did you have the time today? Um, I did not have the time today, but most recently uh, I did have the time because I was on a honeymoon for a week just as the preseason was kicking off. And so I was able to just crush some really good breakfast meals. And, and my go-to is when I'm out, um, if I can get uh, an order of Eggs Benedict with something inventive, not just the normal Canadian bacon that comes with it, whether it's pork belly or okay. something along those lines um, or something that's just spicy, that that is just my go-to. That's pretty good. So you like you like an Eggs Benedict with with an, maybe a, a substitute protein extra thrown on there, like a seafood? Is, Will you go with a – can you get like a scallops in there? Is that weird? I've tried it with lobster before. There you, oh, I'm yeah. just – I'm just not I'm not a seafood and breakfast person though for some reason. I don't know why. I've I've tried it with like pork belly, pulled yeah. chicken, pork and I've liked all that stuff a lot better. Yeah, and uh congratulations on your wedding. You as you say, just on your honeymoon. 
I guess I could ask you, how's marriage? It's a weird question to ask people. I, I don't feel like society has yet come up with the better question. But anyway, <laughs> congratulations. H- how's that marriage going? Thank you. Um, It's going well, less than a month into it, but we've been together for my wife and I for more than 10 years. So nothing has oh, nice. actually changed. Like yeah. we met really young. Uh-huh. So it's just, you know, marriage is, marriage is great, but it, it was great before that. So I don't know if anyone, I haven't really, anyone I've talked to who's been married, I feel like they always say you never really feel that different. And I definitely don't feel uh, different at all. Well, that's, I'm glad to hear things are going well. And uh, I'm glad things aren't different if you didn't want them to be different. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, tell me about the site, MBA Math. How, how did MBA Math start? Uh, well, the editor-in-chief and the founder, Adam Frommel, who's been a co-worker of mine at Bleach Report for almost a decade at this point, he was just coming up with all these different metrics um, for articles that he was writing, had these extensive Google docs and spreadsheets. And he, I think he had always wanted to kind of start a site. So this, this is completely his baby. I'm just along for the ride. Sure. But some of the, the intel he drops is super informative. But what I've always liked about the vision and why I agreed to, you know, be with the site when, when he did make it was because they don't want to be just the dry statistical analysis site. And while we've kind of moved away a little bit from written content, I think the the voice of MBA math on Twitter kind of speaks for itself where it wants you to hear about these numbers, but doesn't take itself too serious seriously. And then the written content that we do provide, um, and even it stems to the podcast too with Andy and I, we want to make sure, or we're trying to make sure who knows if we're succeeding, um, that you're not listening to or reading just the same dry, repetitive, toneless stuff that you can get from other sites. And there are analysis that are spot on in those instances, but I I've always gravitated to, writing toward podcasts that have a, a little bit more character. And it's it's sort of been about blending and, and merging just those two lines of analysis. So one of the stats on uh, NBA math is, is the total points added. And, uh, and I am not an analytics expert. I felt like when we started doing this NBA podcast ourselves, I was like, I got to get more into this. But we also started the podcast the same time I had a baby. And it turns out I haven't learned anything new in the last few years. Uh, so so, uh, so to- total points added, I, I take it it is, it's, it's like a cumulative stat. Uh, like the more you play, kind of the higher your points go up. So what are the things I need to know about total points added so I can uh, get an internet arguments but not overextend myself? It's so it, a lot of it is based off of box plus minus, which you do mm-hmm. kind of see a basketball reference. But what Adam kind of sought to do is make it just a tad more, I don't want to use the word inf- informative, but maybe less reliant on some of the volume metrics. And I think you're still going to see that volume can skew the data. When we look at specifically defensive points saved, and Russell Westbrook is always extremely high on the list, it's because he's grabbing so many defensive rebounds. And so, so that stuff gets caked in there as well. But when he made it, I think it goes a little bit deeper to where it can contextualize how good a player has been in the aggregate. It doesn't necessarily rely on as many of those um, just volume metrics or isn't going to be skewed as much by that volume. And so I think it when we're talking about catch-all metrics, there is no perfect one, but I just think it's uh, another quality one where you can look at it like you would BPM mm-hmm. and like you would real plus minus those numbers and, and get a view just a contextual uh, distance view of how good or, or poorly a player was playing. 
Yeah. So what are what are the drawbacks what, when I'm looking at it as a Grizzlies fan and I see Kyle Anderson, who's very, very high, and it makes me feel good. I like going to NBAMath.com and be like, oh, yeah, Kyle Anderson, we got a good one. But what, what are my drawbacks? Like, like what, what is it seeing in Kyle Anderson's game that, that maybe don't mean he is the uh, like the 25th most valuable player in the NBA? <laughs> um, well, so it's going to wait. Uh, it's not going to remove him from the uh, like the context of him playing for the Spurs. Sure. And so now it's that he's in Memphis. You look at it and you say, how is he going to play out outside that system? Um, and it also it just doesn't it, it places so much value in other catch all metrics as well. And so when you're kind of looking at different baselines there, like, oh, what is he going to be? as a scorer and as a more specifically um, where is his specific offense going to come from? Will he ever just develop as a pull-up shooter? And is he making his, his teammates better? It's not going to get into that nuance. And I think that's where a lot of the kitchen sink metrics will, will struggle um, just because it's probably impossible to contextualize all that. Uh, but, but that's where you kind of take it with the grain of salt as I use the Russell Westbrook as an example. And then there's the Kyle Anderson. Like, yes, it's impressive that he was so high up there specifically because of what he was doing on defense. But what happens when you take him out of San Antonio's defensive scheme and, and rebounding scheme? It can become just a tad hard to kind of uh, isolate a single player in that department. Yeah. And so the news of the day in the NBA unrelated to your NBA math side is kind of the, the news about the Spurs, the Spurs who chose to let Kyle Anderson walk, which again, as a Grizzlies fan concerned me, but San Antonio Spurs losing their starting point guard, uh, DeJounte Murray for the year with an ACL tear. I got to think maybe they are regretting now. I don't know. I don't know what their plans are for the season. Maybe regretting not matching on Kyle Anderson. So now you have a team that is down uh, their starting point guard. They obviously let Tony Parker walk. Mono Ginobili retired. They traded away Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Uh, What are your thoughts on, on the DeJounte Murray injury? And what do you think the Spurs, how is that going to change their season and their expectations? Well, I think you make a good point about the Kyle Anderson thing is because now it's you're losing a level of playmaking with Murray. Um, And Anderson was probably just the more polished playmaker at points last year because Murray was still so young and inexperienced. But just now the defensive aspect, you had lost three of your four most important defenders um, to new teams over the summer with Anderson, Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard. And now you throw Murray in there on the sidelines and you've essentially lost your four best defenders. First, from San Antonio's perspective, we can talk about, do you give Derek White a chance to play point guard? Um, he's looked good uh, during some league plays the past two years. Uh, do you just go and pivot to Patty Mills? How do you how do you establish a league average defense, regardless of what you do at point guard now, though? I think that was always really a problem uh, before this Murray injury. And now you kind of look at it at this roster. And if the Spurs are able to ha- have an above average defense, that's when you just know that Greg Popovich is is kind of this sorcerer because my my immediate impulse is to say the Spurs now need to play play smaller, uh, put LaMarcus Aldridge at the five, Rudy Gay at the four, maybe even just use Davis, Davis Bertans, who's a, a better shooter than some of their other options, and just try and focus on your offensive output because I, I don't see a path right now uh, without Murray for this team to, to really assume the identity that it's taken on for – as long as we can essentially remember. And when you look at, yes, you you have DeMar DeRozan when you didn't really have Kawhi Leonard last season, maybe that does help stabilize your offense. 
a little bit. I think there will be spacing issues there, though. He's not the defender. That He's just not a good defender. It's not even about comparing him to Kawhi or Danny Green. He just He's not a good defender. And so how does this team hang on that side of the floor? It was a fair question before. And without Murray now, um, it, it's an even better one to ask. And I don't really see a, a clear answer. Yeah, I was so prepared to jump on the Spurs are overrated, I mean, are underrated bandwagon. I was like, I really like what this team is doing. I know they don't have, you know, any shooters. Everyone keeps citing whatever. Their projected starting lineup was made something like 200 threes total last year, which was the output of a like a Joe Ingles or something. Uh, and But now I'm, I'm just scratching my head because, again, it's like Patty Mills didn't really light the world on fire last year. And can Bryn Forbes help? Like Derek White is a is a is a huge unknown. So it does seem like things aren't great for the Spurs. I I don't want to count them out because again, they went 20 years with winning 50 games every year. And even last year it was the, the 47 wins. But things things are gonna be tight. Do you think, would you would you guess that maybe they would try to make a move to maybe pick up someone else's backup point guard or just someone off? I, I can't even think of, of a free agent who might be able to come in and help. I mean, there's no, uh, what's that Russian point guard's name? He's not coming back. Alexei yeah, I mean, Sped, he's like, like 35. Yeah, and it's, I mean, even you're talking about those names. Like, you're going to go out and sign Mario Chalmers? Is that someone who's, anyone you sign, how much are they actually going to help you? I, I don't know if this, this team isn't one for making mid-season moves, which is kind of the point that they're at now since we're into the preseason. And more importantly, who are they trading? I, you just you look at their <laughs> roster, and they're not they're, they don't have a ton of assets now. They have what I think you would call a few unsavory deals on the books, um, and any of the players that might be a little bit appealing to teams, uh, they they don't have the salary uh, to to really bring back a player of consequence. And you're not gonna, I mean, you're not gonna trade Lonnie Walker at this point either. If a team is looking for a first round pick, I know he's injured, but why are you going to give up on him? Someone who can create his own shot and, uh, might just be able to help usher you into the next era. If you do have to pivot away from what you're doing now, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. And I think we are at the point though, where even for someone like me who just has blind faith in the Spurs now, it's fair to to wonder, to question, to doubt whether they're going to be able to make a legitimate playoff push in the West. Is Jameer Nelson in anybody's camp? I'm trying to think of who who's out there. Nick Kalathis, did you re up in Greece? The uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hurting for him. I think it's I think it's intriguing that you have this team that doesn't really have a point guard. I mean, they already had. I guess I think it was fair to question if. Maybe it wasn't. You know, like they were, they, I know they were pretty excited about, about Murray and his contributions he's going to make this year after last year's second-team all-defensive season and, and getting the upgrade to like full-time starter. But it's weird. Like you have this team that doesn't have a point guard now uh, because of injury, and then you have the Orlando Magic who are just like, whatever, point guards are overrated. Well, like DJ Augustine, that's fine. And then, and then the Phoenix Suns who don't have a point guard and... Obviously, if Devin Booker's going to miss some time, like they really have, have a big question mark. Uh, why do you think these teams just kind of, I mean, I guess the Magic and the Suns are their own circumstances or we could ask lots of questions are why haven't they done this and this? Uh, but like, isn't it strange to have three teams without anyone that you'd even, you know, would want to be a starter kind of like going into the season? 
Oh, and it's I'm mean, for the Suns specifically. They're so geared towards winning now that it's definitely <laughs> weird um, to, to have that. Even though they're not going to win now, they I think they fancy this in the West. It's uh, for for the Spurs. It, it's it's a little bit difficult because I I do think it was okay to bank on Murray kind of making a leap. I really like what I saw out of him defensively, and I think when you look at kind of the flow to his game on offense, you could see him maybe hitting more of his floaters this year, even if he doesn't develop into a great pull up shooter, and that there's just some nice savvy decision-making there with the ball in his hands at different points. I I don't know if you can crucify them if they don't go out and make a move now, though, to get a point guard, just because if you believe in Murray to that degree, why would you give up anything of value, assuming they have it, to then get someone who plays that position? Which is why, as you were talking about, maybe they go the free agency route. I think you can also look at it and say, do they make DeMar- or DeRozan just the de facto one at this point? Yeah. He really progressed over the last three years as – a pick and roll playmaker in Toronto. And maybe, maybe you could go that route where I'm talking about, they need to kind of play small or really space out the floor. And maybe you just play bigger and throw DeMar at the one. I, I don't know what you do. Uh, it's, I, I mean, if you don't have a point guard that you look at and say, Oh, he's our point guard, I guess it helps you be bad. And so if you're the magic, <laughs> that's something that right. has to interest you. So it's, it's certainly weird, particularly because we were at this point for so long in the league where uh, the point guard position was just reflexively considered the, the deepest rank in the NBA. And you can still name all these stars at the position, but I don't know that there are the same number of quality players just around as the league is kind of transitioned to prioritizing these point wings and just positionless bas- basketball in general. And so maybe that's a symptom of that, but it's when you just look at the situations, they're all kind of different. The Magic, are, are they trying to be bad? The Suns, they just don't have good ownership in place, as we've seen. And then the Spurs, they thought they had their point guard, but now he goes and he tears his ACL. Yeah, I was trying to come up with some fake trades like to help the Suns and the Spurs out. I feel like you could shake someone free from the Pacers, like be it Darren Collison or Corey Joseph, like maybe one of those guys, if Aaron Holiday turns out to be a guy who can play the one and a Tyreek Evans can, can, can play some there. But like, I can't, as you were saying, there's no assets for the Spurs that the Spurs would even trade. And then the Suns, you know, who, who even knows what they would trade. And I look at like a team like, like Kimball Walker on the Hornets, like are the Hornets finally going to try to blow it up, but they have an okay shot at making the eighth seed. And they seem, they seem <laughs> content, you know, I mean, 35 games might, you know, 35 wins might take that eight seed in, in the Eastern Conference. And it seems like they've been content just to stick with Kimba, like until I got to, I guess, whatever, whatever the wheels fall off that Hornets bus, it seems like they're, they're, they're riding it. But yeah. You're, I'm with you. Like it's, it seems hard to, to shake somebody free. If a Jimmy Butler trade ever happens, if Jeff Teague gets sent somewhere, could he just go for salary filler? I don't know. The, the best joke I saw, I don't even know who said it on Twitter was that the, uh, the Timberwolves should send Jeff Teague to the Spurs for salary f- filler and then just to rent rc buford for two weeks to complete the jimmy butler trade <laughs> like that's i need to find out who said it's yeah. scary how good of an idea that actually might be <laughs> it's, it's great like give us rc for two weeks just two weeks you can have jeff Teague for the season uh speaking of the Suns, so the Suns today fired their gm ryan mcdonough the timing seems hilarious and apt for the clown show that the Suns seem to be what is your best guess why he got fired, say, today and not five months ago or one year ago. It seems that Rob Robert Sarver is just getting a little itchy with the roster, and maybe he expected uh, Phoenix to have acquired a, a point guard by now. 
just because, as you said, the, the timing doesn't seem hilarious. It's objectively hysterical because <laughs> yeah. you let this guy go through the draft, free agency, hire a new coach, and we didn't really hear anything throughout all like that entire process about, oh, Ryan McDonough hasn't really had a say in anything. You allowed him, then we have to assume that he was – Maybe he's not necessarily the brainchild behind that Houston Rockets trade, but he was someone who uh, orchestrated that. And looking at the reporting from Woj and even Shams, it was kind of it was hard to gain any real insight into what was happening in Phoenix other than, wow, this organization is is just a giant crap show. Uh, but it does seem like it wouldn't surprise me now if we were if if you did another podcast in like a week or two weeks and the Suns have already traded a future first round pick to get a point guard because it it seems or was at least hinting at that part of McDonough's part of McDonough's like downfall was he didn't acquire a point guard but the Suns weren't willing to give up a future first round pick in that deal and when they've already traded that 2021 my Miami pick maybe Sarver just expected him to be more aggressive on that front, or maybe he was really mad that they traded Brandon Knight, who was someone who, if it was healthy, might've been able to give you some time at point guard. I don't think that was the only impetus, but to me, just based on the timing, it, it seems like it had to be just the final straw for, for Sarver. And I can't really think of anything else, but to do it now, as you said, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Because as you said, he completed, he did his entire off season and they did a lot of stuff. Like, and they brought in a lot of Booker people too. You let them max out Booker. I guess that's a no brainer decision from the sun standpoint, but that's something else that people haven't really pointed out. I mean, they've been involved in like two of the only big trades of the summer. I mean, the, tra- the they did the draft night where they traded away a, a big pick. I mean, maybe I'm forgetting some other big trade. I mean, they were, you know, quote unquote, big trades. They, they actually traded away some people like bringing in uh, Ryan Anderson. I like to think Robert Sarver was just, you know, reading some sun's blog or he was looking at his team's roster and was thinking, wait a minute, the season starts next week. It, like, is, it, are we done making moves? And he, and, he, <laughs> and he calls up Ryan. He's like, wait, is this is this the team? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you're fired. Like, yeah, like I don't like. Maybe he thought there was more to come. Like there was other other dominoes to fall and another shoe to drop. But because it does, it, it's cr- it's crazy. I mean, to trade away to get the Mikhail Bridges, to trade away that other future first round pick. I also like how they kept trading how like they've owned so many of these assets and then reacquired assets and then traded them away again. Like that's very entertaining how they traded future first round picks to get back the pick that was Mikhail Bridges, how they traded away, uh, you know, a pick to get rid of Brandon Knight, who they used that Mikhail Bridges pick to get rid of or to acquire in the first place. It gets very, it's very inception like with with the trades, (laughs) but uh, I, I feel somewhat bad for, for Suns fans. I feel like they're growing angry. I feel like some of my most negative Twitter interactions are with Suns fans who... Uh, Can you blame them? Well, I know. It's like, I guess you guys have had it bad for a while. Because like, I don't like Devin Booker. Like, you know, and it's like, it seems like everyone has decided they also don't like Devin Booker. And now he's like the only, you know, I guess, source of hope for this team. But I don't know. At least they're entertaining uh, the rest of us. Um, finally, just to wrap up, is there anything else out there that you would like to see maybe these teams do or, or something with the Jimmy Butler trade that like, is there any big deal out there where you would rearrange some of these point guards and be like, Hey, let's put, let's put Jeff Teague over in Phoenix. Let's put Goran Dragic. Uh, he can go to the Spurs. Like we'll move. I, then I guess moving from the Spurs is hard, but is, are, are there any, uh, any guys, if you could, if you were, David Stern doing it for basketball reasons and you had, <laughs> you had the power for some behind the scene machinations to make 
some uh, some chess moves and get guys in different situations. Are there any out there that you that you would like to do to resolve some of these uh, teams that that need some players? Um, well, really quick on the Jimmy Butler front, that's the obvious one. I would love to see just like a team that hasn't been mentioned come in and scoop him up. Like if he was just sent to Toronto for like a deal, <laughs> that would be fantastic to me. Uh, looking at the point guard situation specifically. Hornets fans tend to get mad when you talk about the team blowing it up and it's clear that they're not going to you talked about how they seem content to vie for the eighth seed and that's basically been their rallying cry for the past half decade is like let's just chase that seed this guy is going to command near max money in free agency and he'll deserve it but he's not going to align with the window of a team that just really isn't that good and so why risk losing him for nothing or I don't know that He's a guy who's coming off this bargain, what turned out to be a bargain extension anyway. So having being able to offer him a five year deal, um, higher annual raises uh, that might convince him to stay. But do you want the second half of that contract on your roster, on your payroll? I don't think you do. And it'd be nice to see that the Hornets operate with some semblance of foresight for a change and to put him on a team um, like Phoenix. Or maybe there is a deal where if the Spurs think that. Uh, Walker, Murray, and DeRozan can play together long term. Maybe there's something to be worked out there. Maybe they're a team. If you talk about taking on bad money, maybe they're a team that thinks that they can still extract value out of Nicholas Batum. Could you imagine him in their system and they're willing to take him back as part of some just monster deal that saves the Hornets a ton of money? And I think the final guy to really look at would be Tyus Jones in Minnesota. It's you know, they've elected to start Derrick Rose alongside Jeff Teague during the preseason as this Jimmy Butler situation sorts itself out. And I don't really know what that says about their faith in Tyus Jones, who's actually good. He ranked uh, favorably in, in all defensive metrics last year, basically. And I'd like to see him on a team maybe where he doesn't need to start, but you could now put him in San Antonio or Phoenix or Orlando. And those are places where he he would start. And it'd be nice to see him just be freed from that that mess in, in Minnesota. It's tough to kind of peg his trade value. He doesn't make a lot of money. Um, but what is Minnesota going to want in return for him? If you're committed to Derek Rose, though, more than him, as it seems like the Timberwolves are, it'd be great to see him be in a better situation. Yeah. Tyus Jones is a good one. I'm actually thinking also, uh, it occurs to me, maybe Tomas Sadoransky would be someone that the Spurs would hijack from the wizards like the wizards feel like maybe they have enough ball handlers with with austin rivers being there or something the the other big one the other big name that we haven't mentioned that that i feel like i just as a general nba fan would like to see added to some of these conversations and the fans of him and his team get very testy when you mention it is is cj mccollum like i would cj mccollum would somehow get like thrown into these like Let's put CJ McCollum like alongside uh, whoever it is. If it's going to the Spurs, if it's going to any team, the Timberwolves, the Bucks, like teams that don't have him. Like, let's move some of these big pieces around. Let, let's get weird. Let's break up that the the the, um, the Timberwolves. No, I'm sorry. The Trailblazers are now like the Western Conference Hornets. They seem content to be like the six or the five or the four seed. I know they were the three seed last year, but whatever. Uh, like. They seem content just to be like, all right, you know, we'll make the playoffs with this with this fun backcourt. Like, get CJ McCollum in these trade talks. Get in for Jimmy Butler. They're going to be a team, though, and maybe this will speak for a lot of squads as the playoff race kind of develops. If Portland, if, let's say San Antonio, we're going to assume Minnesota misses the playoffs if they trade Jimmy Butler, I think. And then let's say San Antonio is still San Antonio, where they're fighting for like that sixth, seventh, eighth spot, even without Murray. 
and the Blazers fall out of the playoff picture, that's a, that's a team that has to start looking at itself and going, we have to pay the tax until forever, basically, at this point. We're not going to have cap space for at least another two years, and that's when maybe they finally look at breaking up the backcourt. Maybe Charlotte finally looks at trading Kemba Walker if they fall out of the Eastern Conference playoff race. Uh, I don't know. I, I look at the Nets, and they're not a team that I think needs to do anything, but when you have – uh, both Russell and Dinwiddie coming up on free agency this summer. Uh, can you pay both? And I think Dinwiddie's actually really good. Is is he someone that we could find in trade talk, talks as the year goes on? And he's someone who could actually help. Imagine him uh, on the Spurs roster. Again, it's a matter of what would the Nets want for him and do the Spurs or another team have anything that could meet their asking price. But there are just a lot of names that seem like they could enter the chopping block depending on which way these, these either-or uh, situations tilt. I'm glad you mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie. I actually had him in my notes. He's another guy I was trying to find out a way. If you could offer just anything to the Nets for him, I've mentioned on our show before a couple times, I'm actually team, I think the Dinwiddie buzz has gotten him slightly overrated among us, like maybe whatever it is, NBA Twitter nerds, whatever we call ourselves. Like, I, I would like to see the Nets cash in on Spencer Dinwiddie or cash out. Like, like hey, someone offer us some form of asset for this guy who, you know, this is his last cheap year. But again, as you said, as we've said a couple of times, it's hard to find any assets or anything that like these teams would be willing to offer for him. But uh, maybe it's D'Angelo Russell. Maybe you call up Robert Sarver right now. You say, hey, would you like a D'Angelo Russell? He scores points. And he uh, seems like his son's player too. Really does. For whatever that means. We're not insulting your team, Phoenix fans. We, we are, honestly. All right. Well, uh, Dan, thanks so much for taking time to come on this show. Uh, tell people where they can find your stuff. Um, they can just find me on Twitter where I'll promote all of my podcasts and uh, writing uh, at Dan Favale, D-A-N-F-A-V-A-L-E. Well, I appreciate it again. Uh, one more time. Thanks for coming on and look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you so much for having me on, Keith. Take care. All right. Thanks to Dan again. Dan Favale on Twitter. I'm telling you, the Hardwood Knox podcast, the guys actually have chemistry and they enjoy talking to each other and it's enjoyable to listen to. I recommend it if you want an analytics-based NBA podcast to kind of fill in the, you know, fill in the gray areas in your life when you're only, if you're only listening to the comedy NBA podcast. Check that one out. All right, Nashville listeners, stay tuned for our first Grizzlies watch party announcement that is coming up soon. We might even drop the whole schedule on you for the whole season if you're not careful. Uh, so keep your ears peeled for that. Tell all your friends about us, please. We're starting the fifth season, and we need your help to keep the show growing. We also need your help at patreon.com slash breakfast. I'm not kidding. If you listen to four or five episodes a month, you owe us a dollar. Give us a dollar. Help us out. We want to try to get... If we could get 5% of our listeners to give us $1 a month, that actually would make a big deal in how we can prepare the show. And we are trying to grow towards becoming a video podcast. We have a lighting set. We have a rig set up. We have some stuff we have to do. But to make it worth our time, uh, you know, to make very little amounts of money, honestly, uh, we need your support. So if you feel like doing that, if you like our regular show, you want to see us grow, you want to help us out, patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast is the way you do that and obviously that's how you sign up for fantasy basketball as I've told you a few times the deadline to sign up for our fantasy basketball leagues is this Friday at 5pm Eastern so don't hesitate go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast also oh the t-shirt contest thank you for your t-shirt designs we are 
piling the entries. We uh, we think we have a winner. I do need to shout out Kevin Lochner, who sent in the My Fiance shirt that is incredible. Our entire Slack chat is going nuts over it. I've shared it with any other many other NBA podcasters privately who are amused by it. I don't think we can make it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But Kevin Lochner, hilarious design. And we will be announcing the official winner uh, coming up later this week on the full episode. All right. If you're buying tickets for NBA games or NFL games or comedy events or anything, use SeatGeek and our promo code FASTBREAKBREAK. You can follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter at Fast Break Break. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being G&G. Fast Break Break, man, you understand?